you. Things change on your authority. We're talking about the one who's greater. And I just want you just for a moment, just open your mouth and just give God a praise to the one who is greater. Come on, beloved, open your mouth and just begin to thank the one who Hebrews says is greater than the law, that Hebrews says is greater than the prophets, that Hebrews says is greater than the organizational system that we try to use to make ourselves good. Hebrews says he's greater because he has authority. His name is Jesus. 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 Just open your mouth and say his name, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. It's in his name that we can come. And we give you glory and honor because you have done more than us than we for us than we deserve. It's your mercy that's given us or kept from us what we do deserve. But it's your grace that's given us what we don't deserve. And so we just thank you for mercy and grace. We thank you for mercy and grace because it's what we need to come to a God that is holy, to a God that is great, to a life that is full and that is rich. And so we just give you praise and thank you for all that you're going to do in this hour. We ask, Father God, that you would open every mind, that you would open every heart to receive the gospel message that you bring to your people. Change hearts today, Jesus. Now, Lord, I thank you for the gift that is on my life. I pray that you would manifest yourself in this time, however you choose. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen and amen. Amen. You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for that. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones, I would ask you to open up to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 17 today. Mark chapter 2, as we continue our series, Jesus at Work, we're looking at Jesus' authority at work here in the gospel as it pertains to Levi and Matthew. We're reading verse number 13, reads as thus, Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. And later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. The NIV adds a point here. It says there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Somebody say amen. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come 
to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I'm going to read that again. Healthy people do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I want to use a sermonic title today. Um, I don't know who you think you are. I don't know who you think you are. I once heard a story of a man who suffered a workplace injury. Um, and instead of getting medical attention, he denied medical attention, decided to go home. The next day he woke up. Uh, he had an aching headache, an aching, sharp, painful headache. Uh, and he called his, his parents and said he was a young man. He called his parents and said, Mom, look, I, I don't know what's going on. My head is hurting real bad. She said, well, baby, you just had a major accident at work. You're probably just fatigued and tired. It was a, it was a major injury. Just, just relax and just get some rest, get some sleep. You need it. Uh, and he said, all right, well, I'll take your advice. I'll get some sleep. So he went to sleep, uh, ate, you know, woke up the next day, and he still had this aching headache. So he called his friend. He said, listen, man, my head is still hurting. I don't know what's going on. He said, man, just take some aspirin. You probably need something for the headache. It's probably, you probably got hit in the head with something. And I was like, take some aspirin, get some more rest. You should be good. A week went by. He called his dad, and he said, look, dad, my, my head is still hurting. I don't know what's going on. And he said, well, son, you, you, is, 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 you got any pain? What, light? Is light hurting your eyes? He said, no, no, I'm good with that. He said, all right, well, get outside. Get some fresh air. Go walk around and, and, and get some fresh air. So he got up, got some fresh air. Two, three weeks went by. He still got this aching headache. And one day while he was following his father's advice, his mother's advice, his friend's advice, he sees a man laying on the side of a road. The man needs medical attention, so he calls 911. 911, the ambulance come rush him and the man to the hospital. And when they get to the hospital, instead of grabbing the man out of the ambulance, they grab him. And he's wondering what's going on. He's, she's confused as to why. I, I'm the one that called 911. He needs medical attention. Say, no, no, sir, I don't know who you think you are, but you have a pole in the back of your head. For weeks, he had been walking around with a sharp metal object in the back of his head wondering what his headache was for. And it leads me to, 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 to understand that sometimes we go to the wrong people to get the advice that we need. Here we are in our text today. We see Jesus walking along the seashore in Capernaum, a major trade village, a village that they called the Village of Joy. It was so much trade, so much commotion, similar to what we have here right on the water at the Inner Harbor. You got shops and fairs and all types of activities that you can engage in. And Jesus is walking along the seashore, talking to people, telling them about the kingdom message, and people are gathering to hear. And you have this man, Levi, who we also call Matthew, who's sitting at his tax collector booth, watching all of it takes place. And Jesus turns to Matthew, tells him to follow. He gets up follows Jesus and is so excited that he decides to throw a party, a fair, to invite Jesus and his disciples to let everyone know of the greatness, the goodness that God has done in his life. But you had some people there that showed up, some naysayers that are wondering why Jesus decided to eat with such scum. And so we're dealing in our text today uh, as Jesus deals with this issue of why He's come to deal with such scum. 
we know that Jesus is in this text, the great teacher, the great physician, the friend of sinners, and he's the only one who has the authority to both diagnose and deliver us from the problems we have. And for that reason, we ought to model his way and trust his message. In this gospel, Gospel Mark, Corey talked about it a couple weeks ago, he called Jesus the suffering servant because that is what Mark deals and calls Jesus throughout or, or, or likens Jesus to throughout this series or throughout this, this text, Mark chapter 2. Why is he the suffering servant? Is because he's the only one who's come to deliver people from their sins. He's come to suffer on the cross, to die a gruesome death so that those who are on the outside might come on the inside and be healed. He's also the suffering servant because, interestingly, throughout this gospel, verses, particularly chapters 1 through 8, he's the only one with an authoritative ministry, but looked at by the ones who are in authority like he has none. He's an authoritative minister with an authoritative ministry, but he's looked at by people who are in authority like he has none. This gospel uh, and verses 1 through, or chapters 1 through 8, really highlight this authority of Jesus. Mark uses these different literary devices throughout the text, uh, throughout his, his, his letter, where he deals with things like irony. You'll see that if you read Mark, the Gospel of Mark. You'll see things like sets of threes, where he pairs these threes. But he also uses this, this tool called intercalation. It's called sandwiching, where he sandwiches one event between another event to bring us to this ultimate idea or concept of his authority. And so I just want to deal quickly here in three points I want to share with you of Jesus' authority in this gospel message with Levi Matthew where he talks about his authoritative message, his authoritative call, and then his authoritative diagnosis and deliverance. Beloved, Jesus' message causes us to listen. It is an authoritative message. Verse number 13 says that Jesus went out to the lakeshore again, and he taught the crowd that were coming to him. Whenever somebody who is in authority shows up, there's always going to be people around. You ever notice that? When, when the boss shows up at work, people just seem to gather. They ain't got nothing to say to him, nothing to say to her, but they just show up to gather. Whenever somebody is in authority, people will show up to gather around. This is what's happening here. Uh, in, in this gospel, uh, Jesus is sharing his authoritative ministry as he gives the kingdom of God for which his ministry is rooted in. This is the message that Jesus is sharing at the seashore. It says that he came again. Every time Jesus came to teach, he came preaching the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. God's overarching rule over our lives and our experiences. That is what he's calling us into. Jesus is authoritative. In Mark chapter 1, he declares that the time has come that the kingdom of God is near. He calls the disciples and immediately to follow him, and they do. He's noted to be by the ones who listen, uh, and he teaches the one who has, has authority. He has authority to cast out demons. He has authority to heal all manner of diseases. He has authority to heal the leper and touch the one that can't be touched. In chapter 2, he has the authority to mobilize the immobilized, then heal and forgive the sin-sick soul. 
He has the authority to know your thoughts before you ever think them. He has the authority to call sinners to repentance, the authority to cause you to rejoice in celebration instead of mourn when you're fasting, and he has the authority over the Sabbath. Jesus is showing in Mark chapters 1 through 3 his authority. He's showing up to show his authority. And when someone has that much authority to do those types of things, it would behoove us to listen. It would behoove us to go to them to find out how we ought to address our issues. And it makes sense why Levi Matthew decides to just get up and follow. You, you notice that? That as Jesus is sharing this message, Levi Matthew decides just to get up and follow. You, you don't see no other conversation. You're wondering what's going on. I, if I walked over to you one day while you were sitting at your desk at work and I said, get up and follow me, the first question you'd ask is where? And for what reason? But Matthew doesn't, Levi doesn't ask this question. Levi has sat and watched as Jesus has talked to the crowds, as he's given the kingdom message, as he's healed those who's walked along the shore, and as he's watched, he's been captivated, inspired in some way to make some sort of decision. Levi is watching because he also wants his sickness to be healed. And you would say sickness. Levi, didn't, he didn't have a fever. He, he didn't have any type of uh, issue of pain or anything he was dealing with. Levi was dealing with a different type of sickness, the sickness of a sin-sick soul. As early as Genesis chapter 3, we, we know the first sickness that we experienced was the sickness of death that came along Adam and Eve when they denied God's words and followed their own. Sin, has, sin essentially is this, is when we decide that our methods of dealing with the situation supersede God's. That's what a sin-sick soul is. It's when we come up with ideas to do something that supersede God's. And, and here is Matthew turning to Jesus as a reputable sinner as he is, and he's coming to him to follow him without question, without wonder, without doubt. He just moves and makes a response. And there's a reason he makes a response. There's a reason why we can look at Matthew and understand his sin and what he's dealing with here. And it, all it takes us just to look at his name. His name is Levi. Levi. Levi, Levi, Matthew, Levi, Matthew. And I don't, I don't know if you understand how bad Levi, Matthew was. M many of you, uh, you read through the Gospels and you see it talking about the tax collector, the publican, and you're wondering why these Pharisees are calling him such a bad person, right? Any of you like taxes? Nobody like taxes, right? But you got general taxes. Everybody pays general taxes. You got housing tax. You got property tax. You got sales tax. Those are things that are pretty standard. They're going to be the same all the time. Well, and during the Roman times, they had these general taxes. And, and the people who collected the general taxes were people called gabais, G-A-B-B-A-I. They were put in place by the Roman government. The taxes went to them. Sometimes you gave it to the soldiers and things of that nature, and they came and they collect general taxes to make sure your roads was good, to make sure you had protection, all of the things that you really need. Matthew wasn't that type of tax collector. There were another type of tax collector. They were called mochas, M-O-K-H-A. These were unfixed additional tax collectors, and there was a big mocha and there was a little mocha. 
The big mucker was somebody like Zacchaeus. He was the one that the Roman government hired to institute these taxes. Things like you got four legs on a donkey. You got two eyes on a fish. We're going to tax you for that. You, you, you're going, and, 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 and these are the things, these are additional taxes that they had these big mochas to collect these taxes. And the big mochas will hire somebody called little mochas. They were thugs. And they ran with thug-like people. And they would enlist prostitutes and other people to coerce people out of money. They would strong arm the loot out of you. Matthew, Levi, was a little mocha. You little mocha, that's what he was. It was a byword. And, and he would fleece people as they walked along the seashore. Ima imagine walking down the harbor, and you got to go into a restaurant to pay your food. Before you get to the restaurant to pay your food, you got somebody standing at a tax booth saying, in order to get past this point, you got to pay me this amount of money. And it wasn't a fixed price. It was like they could flex it every day. Every day it would be different. And that's what was happening. Matthew, Levi was a little mocha. These people were hated by the Jewish society. They weren't allowed to go into the temple. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't, they couldn't even be buried. Imagine being so bad that you can't have a priest show up to bury you. This is how they saw these people. This was who Levi Matthew was. He was a little mocha who fleeced the people. And I don't know who you think you are that you think you're too bad that Jesus can't save. I'm not sure who you think you are. I'm not sure if you think that your sins are so great that, that, that Jesus can't do something about them. I don't know if you've done so much that you think that Jesus can't come and pull you out of it. I don't know if you've seen so many bad things, made so many mistakes, made so many wrong turns that you think that Jesus can't find grace and mercy on your behalf to pull you out of your mire. I don't know who you think you are. But if Jesus can do that with Levi Matthew, he can do that to you. And he's wanted to do it for Levi Matthew from the beginning. Again, his name is Levi, who became Matthew. Levi, who became Matthew. The first time we hear the name Levi in the text is in Genesis with Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. You remember the story of Jacob. Jacob goes to work all these years to get Rachel as a wife, but instead Laban gives him Leah, and he doesn't want Leah, so Leah is rejected. So he has to work again, and he gets Rachel. And then here we are, Rachel, Leah is the one having children, but Rachel, Jacob still rejects her. She has her third child, and she says, surely, I'm going to name him Levi, because surely he will be joined to me now that I have given him a third son. But instead of being joined, she continued to be cast away. So here is Leah and her sons cast away on the outside where she's hoping them to be joined. But Jesus calls Levi and changes his name to Matthew. Matthew, Matthias, means gift of Jehovah. So here is Jesus joining Levi to the gift of Jehovah, the one who was outside, who he's now brought on the inside. God wants to join you to the gift of Jehovah. It's a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's nothing you can do to be rewarded it. You just merely have to accept it. And this is what Levi Matthew does. He just accepts the gift. 
And he gets so excited about the gift that he decides to go off and throw a party. He brings all his thugs. He brings all the people he's been rolling with. And, and he says, listen, I'm bringing all y'all because y'all need to follow him too. He's opened up a doorway that we didn't think was possible. He's opened up access that we didn't think we could have access to. He's opened up a way that we thought there was no way. God can do in your life what you thought was impossible. He can open a door that has been shut, and he can close doors that, that he can open doors that need to be opened. God can make a way where there is no way. I don't know if you've ever experienced any type of salvation like this where you were just sitting and listening. I remember when I was in Bible college and I was working at FedEx Kinko's and I had uh, working little small jobs. I was going to Bible college and I was sitting there every day. I would talk to this one young man. We would talk about philosophy. We would talk about business. We would talk about politics. We would talk about all types of things. And as we talked about those things, he, he, we would begin to share with him all that the gospel meant to him. I would share to him about the gospel message, share to him about Jesus. And, and one day, we were standing in the back, and there was somebody coming to pick up the coworker. They were standing over there listening to me share the gospel with him. And I went through the Romans road with him. We talked about how we all fall short of God's glory. We talked about the wages of sin being death, but that the gift of God was eternal life through Christ Jesus. We talked about that God had made a way for all sinners to come into the fold to bring those who were on the outside into the inside. And I looked over at the guy that was standing in the window, listening, I said, do you want to come too? And he, he walked in the door and said, I want to know Jesus as well. He wasn't, he wasn't listening. He, he wasn't part of the conversation. He was listening to a message that I was giving to somebody else, and he heard the gospel message and decided to turn and follow Jesus. This is why I want you to know that it doesn't matter where you are that you ought to share Jesus' message. Tell people about the loving kindness that God has wrought for others, that he made a way where there is no way. Maybe you think that your sin is not bad and that people who aren't hurtful and that you maybe you think that there isn't a way that Jesus can bring you to the fold. But I know this, that everyone's heart is deceitful above things. That's what Jeremiah tells us. It's deceitful above all ways. Nobody can know it. But God has made a way. He's examined the heart, tried the mind, and he gives us the reward that we need. And that reward is Jesus's blood on the cross. We see here in, in, in Matthew's gospel after he has, Mark's gospel, after he has the party, he comes across these individuals who, who, who are naysayers, who are confused about why Jesus is allowing himself to have dinner with this person named Mark. In verse number 17, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, beloved, Jesus is the friend of sinners, but I want to remind you he's still not soft on sin. Um, he, he, he crucified during those times for being too loose. But if he was in today's day, he would be crucified for being too rigid. He would be. Uh, we, we look at these Pharisees, and the first things that we think is that these people are holier than that. 
how dare these people holier than thou think that they can, can tell anybody that they scum or anything like that. Matthew, Ma Mark, Levi Matthew was worthy of the name. He was that type of dude. But the problem is not that they held people too tight to the law. That's not the issue with the Pharisees. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions to see whether or not you qualify to be a Pharisee. Number one, do you believe in faith and free will? Do you think that, that, that God has provided you the opportunity to choose any way, but at the same time, there is a providential plan of God over your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? If you believe in Jesus, you ought to, because that's what he did. Do you believe that there will be a final judgment one day? That one day we will all be brought to a final judgment? Do you believe or are you against this idea of elitism, nepotism, uh, and that you should have some type of inherited status or position? That's what the Sadducees believed in, and the Pharisees didn't like that. Do you hold to your traditions dear while still desiring to make it easier for others to adopt theirs? If you agree with any of those things, you're probably a Pharisee. I don't know who you think you are. You're probably a Pharisee. Because that's what the Pharisees believed. That's what they held up. But see, the Pharisees' problem wasn't that they were too rigid to the law. Their problem wasn't primarily that they wanted to keep people on task with what God said. Legalism was a big issue. But the Pharisees' problem was that they thought their way of achieving the law could get them salvation. They didn't think they needed to be joined to the free gift because they thought they was doing all the things they needed to do to have it anyway. And maybe, I don't know who you think you are, maybe you're in the place where you think your sins are too bad to bring you to Jesus, or you think uh, you're too good to ever even need Jesus and you're judging other people. Both of you are wrong because either way, Jesus is the only one who has the authority to both diagnose your condition and deliver you from it. So for that reason, you ought to trust his method, trust his message, and model his way. This is what Jesus is calling us to. He's here in this Mark's gospel. And, and, and praise team, if you would come as I get ready to close, he's, he's here in Mark's gospel trying to help us to understand that what people ultimately need is not more judgment, but it's mercy. He's what the Bible calls Yahweh has said, the God who's rich in mercy, whose loving kindness goes beyond all. And, and he comes to Levi Matthew, a man on the outside who God wants to bring on the inside because God who is rich in mercy has provided a way of escape. And I don't know where you are today as we close in prayer and get ready to sing this song and take communion. But maybe you're here today and you would say, I, I, I've been judgmental or I think that my sins are too hard to bring me to God. I've done too many bad things. But Jesus has made a way through the cross where there is no way. And all you need to do is do what Matthew did. Is follow. He didn't ask you to clean yourself up. The Holy Spirit going to do that. Just stop following. You ain't got to be perfect when you come. 
just start following. You don't have it all together when you come, just start following. And as you start to follow, he'll cause you to have a party to bring your friends to. Because Jesus changes the hearts of sinners because of the cross. And so in Jesus' name, we thank you. Father, we give you praise as we think about all that you've done. We ask, Father God, that you would bring our hearts to understand, our eyes to see what you're doing in our lives, and that you would save today by your blood because you're the only one that can do it. We thank you, Lord God, that you can bring that which is on the outside into the inside. In Jesus' name.